begin our worship time this morning by going to God in prayer. Will you pray with me? Lord Jesus Christ, all praise will rise to you. Even if we in this house of worship choose not to worship you, the rocks themselves will cry out because you are worthy of all praise and glory. You are the one who came, took on flesh, was born in humble conditions, raised in the likeness of humanity, and chose death on a cross, all for us. What kind of God is that? We thank you. Thank you is not enough. Words are not enough. But we come with whatever we have this morning, Lord, just to say we recognize the sacrifice and we are grateful. Lord, we are also grateful for a brand new year. We are grateful for sunshine. We are grateful for the change of the seasons. We're grateful for this beautiful scenery that sits out these windows next to us that sometimes even distract us from what's going on in here because it's so beautiful. We are thankful for the ways in which you take care of us each and every day, giving us our daily bread, uh, both physically, literally, and metaphorically, taking care of our needs. Uh, we have houses to sleep in. We have clothes to wear. We have food to eat, gas to put in our cars. We have the freedom to come to this place and worship you openly. We don't even have to hide like some people do in the world. They worship in places where it's dangerous to profess your name out loud. And we have all these privileges and more that we take for granted. We are thankful. Thank you, Lord. Lord, as we come into this place, we boldly ask for something from you because you have told us that you long to hear our requests. That it's not too much for us to make requests before you, and we do this in faith. There are people, there are situations, things that are heavy on our hearts this morning. We want to call these out to you. You know each and every situation more intimately than even we do. And we trust that you are working toward the good in all and every situation. And so we're going to call out names to you and we ask you, as each one is called out, to hear our prayer. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Critical family. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. My sister Becky. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Paul Driggers family. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Thanksgiving to God for answered prayer. Lord, in your mercy, hear our 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 prayer. Your new grandbaby. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. The Larson family. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Brother Stacy. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. 
Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. For all of those that need a new church home. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Lord, I'm sure there are others that have not been spoken aloud, maybe because we're just too afraid to name it, perhaps because we are so overwhelmed that we don't even know how to begin the prayer. We lean on you for these as well. We thank you that you are friend, savior, comforter, the one who walks beside us, the one who leads us behind and before, surrounding us with your love, with your guidance. I pray for Grace Church specifically. And Lord, as I have been doing the last couple weeks and continue to do now, I pray that you would draw all the wrong people to this church. I'm thankful for the churches in our area that uh, welcome all the right people. I pray that we would be a home for the wrong people, those who just have never felt like they belonged in church, that somehow, someway, they would be prompted to pick up the phone. As we've already seen this week, we've had someone call us and say, I don't know why I'm calling you, but I need help. I pray that those people would continue to find us and that when they walk in these doors that we would embrace them that we would say welcome home you're in the right place lord that's what we're here for as we will learn today as we read the gospels i pray that we would lean in to the things that you are challenging and calling us to do bless our time together bless this worship service and may you be praised and glorified in all that we say and do in the name of jesus christ we pray Amen. 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 Jay is already ready for the children's time up here. I'd like to invite our kids to come forward uh, for a brief moment just for them in the service uh, before we head to children's church this morning. If anyone wants to come down. I like your hat. This is very unique. Is this duct tape? This is yes. Gorilla tape makes a good hat. You have very good balance. Good job, sir. <laughs> Yes. Well, I know some of y'all were here for Sunday school. Can y'all tell me what was it that y'all learned about in Sunday school today? Because it's the same as our message here today. What do you remember about it? Um, what do you do is like good deeds and bad deeds when you do it to lead to God's kingdom or if you don't. Very cool. Very cool. So I have a question for you. Have y'all ever been in a storm and the lights went out? Like there's a big thunderstorm and then all of a sudden there's no electricity and you're just sitting there in the dark. And you're like, what do I do now? So what, what do y'all do when the lights go out? Yeah. Um, get a flashlight. We find flashlights or like a lamp or something. Yeah, and then or get candles. Or get candles. So you need a flashlight or a lamp or some candles. Um, yes. And so what we can do when the world gets a little bit dark and scary because sometimes this world that we're in can be a little broken can be a little scary can be a little dark there's some things that happen but what we can do as christians is we can go and we can be the flashlight or the candles or the lanterns right we can be the ones that bring the light of jesus to the rest of the world and so today in children's church i think y'all are going to get to do that you guys are going to get to play some 
hide and seek in the dark, but with some flashlights. So it's going to be really, really fun today. Oh, yeah, Kaylee's got her flashlight on her watch. She's ready to go. She's ready to go be the light. Absolutely. I'm my old school Calvary. You did. That sounds like so much fun. I know. I wish I was going in there with y'all today. Um, but before we go, would you guys like to pray with me? Yeah. All right. Let's bow our heads, close our eyes, and let's go to God in prayer. Dear God, thank you for loving us. Thank you that we can be the light in the dark places of this world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. And look, Miss Caitlin's all ready to take you back to Children's Church. Amen. Okay. I'm gonna, I'll do this. Free pass. If you'd rather skip my message and go play flashlight tag, I'll close my eyes. Go now. Good choice, y'all. Our scripture reading for today comes from Matthew chapter 5. Verses 1 through 20. Listen now for a word from the Lord. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are, should I say blessed or blessed? Blessed, it sounds fancier. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so people persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trodden underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hid. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a bushel, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. Let your light so shine before all that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Think not that I have come to abolish the law and the prophets. I have come not to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot, will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Whoever then relaxes one of the least of these commands and teaches others to do so shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But those who do them and teach them shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. A word from God for the people of God. Thanks, Thanks be, be to God. God. Let's pray. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing to you. 
O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So, um, I learned something new this week. I've I found out that if you uh, go down enough rabbit holes, rabbit trails on Google, eventually you'll learn something new. I learned something new this week. Who in here knows what a knocker-up is? A knocker-up. It's probably not what you think, right? It's, it's become something different. <laughs> a knocker-up. It was actually a job that existed in the UK before alarm clocks were around. You could get a job as someone who would wake people up for work. And what it required, you had to have clients, but you also had this little slate, little chalkboard, and you would write your client's name and what time they want to wake up, and you would carry this long bamboo pole, and you would go from client to client at the appointed time, and you would knock on their bedroom window until they finally threw open the curtains and said, I'm up already. Once you knew that they were up, then you could move on to the next client. That was called a knocker up, and it was a job, and you got paid for it. I had never heard of that. I didn't know anything about that. When I started seeing pictures of it, I was like, wow, that's quite a job. I guess uh, alarm clocks knocked that out. Knocked that out. I learned something else new this week. Tell me, when you think of the Sermon on the Mount, if you see movies or television and Jesus is giving the Sermon on the Mount, what do you picture? Who is, who is in that scene? Who is Jesus preaching to? You can talk. This is multitude, crowds, right? We always envision crowds. Jesus is teaching to a large multitude of people. Look at this. Look at this. Chapter 5, verse 1. When Jesus saw the crowds, there's the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him, and he began to speak, and he taught them. Who is Jesus speaking to? The disciples. The disciples, the whole Sermon on the Mount is a sermon preached to the disciples, not as I always ima imagine to a large group of people. Although we find out at the end of the Sermon on the Mount that they were eavesdropping because they were astounded at his teaching. So I imagine Jesus is kind of like he's assembled his disciples in front of them and he sits down and he's telling them this stuff, but the crowd has kind of gathered behind him and they're kind of leaning in trying to hear what he's saying. But I never realized that before. And at this point, we're, we're only in chapter 5 here. Jesus has been born. Uh, Jesus uh, was baptized at the Jordan. Jesus went into the wilderness and was tempted for 40 days. And then Jesus went to Galilee and began his public ministry. And he's only selected four disciples at this point, according to Matthew. He names specifically Peter and Andrew and James and John, although there may have been lesser-known disciples or unnamed disciples that had chosen to follow Jesus and were gathered there that day. But they've been kind of hanging out with Jesus in Galilee as he preaches about the kingdom of heaven, as he feeds people, as he heals people. In fact, the healing part is really what kind of drew attention to Jesus, and Matthew tells us that people started coming from pretty far away with their illnesses or their loved ones who were ill to receive a healing touch from Jesus. And so this is kind of where the crowds come from. The crowds have assembled 
because they've heard about this guy in Galilee. And this is the point at which Jesus decides, it is time that my disciples begin their training. Their training, their formal training. You see, the Sermon on the Mount is not a sermon to crowds at all. It is a three-chapter on-the-job training session for the disciples. Now, here's the kooky thing. Yes, Peter and Andrew and James and John are named specifically, and we know they were there on that day, and perhaps there were others. But for 2,000 years now, people who have decided to follow Jesus have also heard the Sermon on the Mount. Mike, you're hearing the Sermon on the Mount. Mark, you're hearing it. All of us in this room that profess Jesus Christ, that claim to be disciples of Jesus Christ, we too are in on the training session. The training seminar is for us. And so Jesus begins this training day with a weird set of uh, upside-downs. Weird, weird sense of upside-downs. He's talking about those who are blessed or blessed. Now we have a notion of who we think is blessed. We go out into the world and certain people we would say, oh, that person is blessed with long life, or that person is blessed with a good education, or, uh, you know, family uh, uh, heirlooms that were passed down to, whatever, you know. Those persons are blessed, and then we have an idea of who is not blessed. The crazy thing is that everybody that Jesus names is on our list of that's not blessed. That's the opposite of that. He says, uh, people who are broken in spirit. Do you know anybody who is just completely just done? Like, I just can't. Broken in spirit. People who are in mourning. People who have lost somebody or something very dear to them and are in mourning. Those who are meek and mild. Those who long to see justice served, which I imagine are people who are on the wrong side of justice and want to see justice served. Those who show mercy to those who don't deserve it. People who choose peaceable solutions to conflict rather than more violence. People who are pure of heart, which I take to mean maybe a little bit innocent, maybe a little naive. Those people are blessed. And then Jesus ends it with saying, people who are persecuted for doing the right thing and for attaching themselves to my name. Those people are blessed. And I'm wondering if the disciples, like me, as I read through this list, are going, wait a minute, what, what is happening here? What is happening here? But you've got to understand that what Jesus means by blessed is not everything is hunky-dory. What he means by blessed is that you are well positioned for what God is about to do. You are in the right place because God is going to do something amazing. And for these folks that he's just named, you don't have anything else left to lose. At this point, you are positioned for all that God has. You're in a good place. This is what Jesus means by blessed. And all the folks that he named are the folks that we typically would say are on the bottom of the heap, the opposite of blessed. But God, Jesus says, no, they're actually the ones who are on top. And I think this is really important to start off this training day with his disciples, with, with the ones that were gathered that day and with us. Because Jesus obviously sees the world differently than most of us. When Jesus walks around, this is what he is seeing. That 
that the folks that are the broken ones are actually the ones that God is looking out for. And he's telling the disciples, he's telling us, I need you to begin to see the world this way. Because I'm not going to be here forever, and one day you're going to take over the family business. And you're going to need to know how to see the world through kingdom eyes. And so this is what he's doing, training them. Begin to see through God's economy, God's commonwealth, how God runs things. And then Jesus kind of abruptly slips into this equally strange thing. Y'all are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. I spent quite a bit of time thinking about that this week. The salt of the earth and the light of the world. I, I don't know that I really know what that means right offhand. I mean, we talk about people who are salt of the earth, the light of the world. And I was wondering, how does this connect to what Jesus has just said about those who are really the blessed ones? How, how is this connecting? Now, I'll give you a little side note here. Many scholars think that the Sermon on the Mount wasn't actually one sermon that Jesus gave. That this is actually Matthew's way of taking some of the greatest teachings of Jesus and compiling it into one setting so that we can see it all back to back to back. If you look at the other Gospels, Jesus says some of these things in the Sermon on the Mount, but he's doing it at different times in his ministry. And so Matthew was like, no, we're going to pull this all together and just give this in one setting. So if that's the case, I don't, I don't know if that's true or not, but if that is the case, well then we don't really have uh, a need to try to force this salt and light teaching with those who are blessed. We can take them as two separate things, and we can study the who is blessed and what does that mean for us and meditate upon that. And then we can also step over here and study the salt and light and what does that mean and meditate and you know, we could do that. We don't, we don't have to try to connect those if Jesus didn't intend for those to go together. But here's the crazy thing about Scripture. This is what I believe about Scripture. That Scripture, the words on the page are, are just words, but somehow, someway, the Spirit opts to move and speak through them every time we open them. Which is the wonderful thing about Scripture. Now, there are places in the world in which we hear from God. When I step outside, when I look and see beauty, when these trees begin to the bud and bloom in the spring and this gets gorgeous, I'm probably going to hear from God as I'm looking at that. But you're not always guaranteed to hear from God in every situation or wherever you go, except for in the Scriptures. That somehow, someway, every time you open that book and you read these words, words that maybe you've read a thousand times, all of a sudden, the Spirit speaks something new into it. You go, oh, oh. And so whether Jesus preached these two ideas back to back or not doesn't really matter. It doesn't even really matter the translation that you're using, whether it's NIV or NRSV or KNGV or whatever you want. It doesn't even really matter the language that it's translated into. If you're reading it in English or Greek or Swahili or whatever, the Spirit will use it. The Spirit speaks to us. And so I said, God, I, I, I want to hear because Matthew has put these two ideas together. And so I want to know if there is a connection between these two, show me. Give me a word this week. So I'm mulling this over, salt and light. 
You know who popped into my head? Emeril Lagasse. You remember Emeril? Emeril, that crazy guy. What was his tagline? Bam. Bam! Right? He would take salt and he'd throw it on his food. Bam! And I thought, okay, here's what Emeril's doing, right? He's, he's talking about this food is good, but now it's bam, it's really good. Like I, I, I'm just like putting the extra whatever it needed onto that food so that it's like fantastic. And I thought that, that's his shtick. That's what he's doing. Then I found an interview, an interview that he did with Rachel Ray. And she said, Emeril, tell me how you came up with this bam thing. He said, oh, let me tell you. Let me tell you. Years ago, early in my career, we were filming up to eight shows a day. And you can imagine with each show, you've got a new set of food you've just created. And so plates of food are beginning to pile up. And so midday, we would take a break. The camera crew, the cue card guys, you know, all those people, we would take a break and we would eat this food because we don't want it to go to waste. Well, then we'd go back to filming. And I looked over and the camera guy's beginning to nod off. And the cue card guy's beginning to drop the card. And so I said, i got to wake these guys up. We still have more shows. And he threw salt and said, bam! And they all went like this. He said, that's the reality of how I came up with bam. And so I thought, okay, okay, here's what, here's what Emerald's doing. Not only is he waking up the flavor of the food, but he's literally waking up his crew on the set. The salt and the seasoning was all about waking things up. Then I thought about light. Okay, light, light. Jesus is talking about this city on a hill. I think about Houston. When I drive into Houston at night, there, you can't avoid it. You're going to see it. It's this city that is completely lit up. I think about this idea of lighting a candle and putting it under a basket. Jesus says nobody would do that. I mean, it's going to go out anyway. You know, it's got to have oxygen to burn. No, when you light a candle or you, you light some kind of a lantern or something, the purpose is to illuminate the darkness. I think about how I take naps in the afternoon. Yes, I take naps in the afternoon. And when I do, because the light bothers my sleep, I put on two sleep masks and I just take a 10-minute nap. But I don't want the light to come in to, to disrupt my sleep. I think about how illumination can refer to uh, expansion of the mind, grasping new concepts, right? When, when, when you are illumined by something, it means, ah, I understand now. So I'm putting all these things together, flavor enhancing, waking people up, waking up the senses, illumination, grasping new concepts, and bam, it hit me. No pun intended. What if the connection between the Beatitudes, those who are actually blessed, and you all are the salt of the earth and the light of the world, what if the connection is that we are called to be modern-day knocker-ups? Knocker-ups. In the sense that Jesus is getting us to see with kingdom eyes. I need you all to look out into the world and see the truth, the reality. Not what your eyes see, but what God sees, who is actually well-positioned for what God's going to do next, who God is deeply concerned with. And once you see that, once you're looking with kingdom eyes, then I need you to go out into the world and tell people this truth. Wake people up to this reality. To the reality that the lowest are actually the greatest in the kingdom. That God is going to bring about a great reversal of fortunes. 
tapping on the windows of those in high places to say, wake up, you think you're blessed, but actually telling those at the bottom, I know you think life is terrible right now, but I need you to know how God feels about you. As I said at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, the eavesdropping crowd certainly got wind of what Jesus was saying. Chapter 7, verse 28, Now when Jesus had finished these things, the crowds were astounded at His teaching, for He taught them as one having authority, not as their scribes. So they'd been listening the whole time, and they're shaking their head. And I imagine that the crowd that was assembled there that day were the ones that were some of those at the bottom. Mourning, sick themselves, broken in spirit, desperately needing a touch from Jesus. And then they hear these teachings that God loves you, that God has not forgotten you, that you are actually well positioned for what's coming next. Everything's going to be okay. And they probably wondered, what kind of rabbi teaches his disciples these strange teachings and tells them to go out and look for the same? Our scribes don't do that. The Pharisees don't do that. The Sadducees aren't doing that. Who is this man? Now, you may be a little bit like me as I'm kind of, this is clicking for me this week. I'm thinking, but Jesus, I don't feel like the salt of the earth or the light of the world you're the light of the world, Jesus. This is what we say. You are the one who shines in the darkness. I'm not the light of the world. I'm a mess up. I'm a screw up. And yet this is what Jesus says to his disciples, to them, to us. You all are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. And so part of trusting in Jesus is saying, well, just like I know what I think I see when I look out at the world and I see that homeless person on the side of the street and I think I'm glad I'm not that person, but you're telling me they're actually well positioned and so I'm going to trust you in that. Maybe I should also trust you that you are giving me exactly what I need to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world, even though I don't feel like it even though I screw up all the time. Maybe I should trust in that. I don't know what that means exactly. I don't know how to pull that off exactly. But maybe I should take that seriously. Maybe we should take that seriously, this role that Jesus is presenting to us. I mean, after all, that's why it's called the gospel, which literally means the good news. This is the good news. And we are called to spread the gospel, the good news. You know, I learned years ago, somebody taught me that the Sermon on the Mount was just Jesus kind of uh, giving us what it looks like to live as a good Christian. And if you want to get into the kingdom of heaven, you really need to kind of get with everything that Jesus is saying. And Jesus is kind of adding more things on top of old rules that we couldn't keep anyway, right? I know that 
The scriptures say, you know, eye for an eye, but I tell you, when somebody strikes your cheek, you need to turn the other cheek too. Well, I'm, I'm more inclined to take, you know, I'm going to strike back. So if I don't turn the other cheek, then I can't get into the kingdom, you know. And, and then you just kind of like that, that rich young ruler who just kind of sinks his head and turns away and says, well, I guess I can't get in. That's not what the Sermon on the Mount is. That's not what it is. This is about the disciples, about us getting our first lesson in being ambassadors for Jesus. Jesus knows we're going to mess up, but he still calls us to this. This is the first lesson. This is on-the-job training, day one training here, right? Jesus says, trust me, I know you don't feel like it, but you're the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Now go out and tell people the gospel. So what I want to say today is, stay salty, my friends. Stay salty. Let's give the world a reason to hope. Let's not buy into the hype that the world sells us. Let's go out and tell people the real good news that we're called to do. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Folks, I hope that uh, you know Jesus as one who reaches out and says, when you're at your lowest low, you are blessed because you're positioned for what God has for you. And if you know that in your own life, then you can go out and tell other people that same truth. Isn't that awesome? Amen. And if you're not there, you're blessed too. And I pray that you don't ever have to see any of those darkest, lowest moments. It is really good to be back in town. It's good to be back with you all. I missed you, uh, and I love you. So grab the hand of the person next to you, and please receive this blessing. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. May you know that you are perfectly loved, completely forgiven, and you're uniquely empowered. Now you're called to go out and be salt and light. You may make some mistakes this week, but that won't affect how Jesus feels about you. God's love is not dependent on our performance. It's based in his amazing grace, and it is by grace that he looks at us and says, you are nothing but the best of the best of the best. So I hope that you feel that way down deep in your soul as you go from this place. Go in peace in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit.